0: All right, we're doing another throwback to wrap up the 2020 Year for Our Healthcare sub-series with one of our best episodes and a fabulous partner to Wambi, Vicki Hess. She's an employee engagement expert, and that's where this show got its start three years ago, is all in making movement around employee engagement in workplaces. And she was one of our very first guests on the show and just had some amazing takeaways. And we've loved partnering with her this year. We wanted to throw back some timeless tips from Vicki Hess. So we hope you enjoy. Hey, it's Nikki Llewellyn and you're on Gut Plus Science. This podcast is on a mission to increase engagement at work. And on this show, we equip CEOs and people first leaders of all levels to make impact. Let's get to it. Hey, it's Nikki and we're back on Gut Plus Science Healthcare with Vicki Hess. Gut Plus Science was created to help leaders truly impact employee engagement levels in their organizations, and together, as a community, we will make a dent on workplace engagement globally. Well, then we launched a sub-series for healthcare because healthcare needs engaged workers more than any other. That's my belief, at least. So here's the treat today. We have an employee engagement expert, author, thought leader, speaker, and she's specific to the healthcare industry. I'm here with Vicki Hess, and we're going to talk shop. Let's go. Vicki, how did you get to this place? How did employee engagement and healthcare become your specialty? Um, When I was a
1: little girl, my mom was the first chief paradise officer that I ever knew. And she taught my sisters and I that we had the power to create the environment that we wanted to live in. And when you're a kid and that's the way you're raised, you don't necessarily know that that's different from other people. Well, when I started working, what I realized was not everybody had the advantage of being taught that as a youngster. And when I started to work with professionals, um, I had to figure out, like, what was my real sweet spot? What was I good at? And really, what I was good at was helping people find their own professional paradise. What I help people learn is how to be the chief paradise officer of their own job, no matter what's going on around them. And as I dug deeper into that, I understood that to be another name for employee engagement. When I wrote Shift to Professional Paradise, my first book, it was all about self-empowerment. So then Sigma Theta Tau International, and Nursing Honorary Society, asked me to write a book for new nurse managers, and we called it The Nurse Manager's Guide to Hiring, Firing, and Inspiring. So I dug deeper into the whole inspiring part of things. Then when I wrote my third book, Six Shortcuts to Employee Engagement, it just further cemented my love of this topic. And nothing makes me happier than sharing really practical, tactical tools with leaders and staff so that they can be engaged and that they can help others be engaged. And so it's really what I love to do the most. And I would consider myself a chief paradise officer. And and I think it's possible to create professional paradise no matter what's happening.
0: I love that story. And Vicki, I saw an account temp survey that employee engagement is one of the most
1: hated management terms in business. Why do you think this is? Well, it's interesting. I saw that same study. I shared that with leaders and I asked them, you know, why do you think it's so maligned? And the most common answer and the one I agree with is employee engagement implies doing more work. It implies kind of a you're not doing enough when you ask people about their engagement. And usually, when we think about it from a staff perspective, it's not just doing more, it's doing more with less. What's important is to have a different strategy. And I often share with my leadership audiences that we've got to go from focusing on employee engagement for the organization to creating professional paradise for the individual Because nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I want to go to work and be engaged today. I guarantee you on all the house party, Zoom, FaceTime gatherings you're having with your family and friends, the topic of employee engagement has never come up. We all live in this kind of what's in it for me world. And when we work in a company, being engaged doesn't feel like it's something that helps me, when in reality, that's absolutely not true. And so... If, if organizations focus more on the benefits to the individuals of them being engaged themselves, it becomes not such a dirty word. It really becomes something like, oh, yeah, if I'm engaged, my health improves, my relationships improve, I have better communication, my day goes smoother. Oh, yeah, I'm doing this for me as much as I'm doing it for patients, families, my boss, the organization, et cetera.
0: Let's talk about employee engagement surveys. So most healthcare organizations do have employee engagement surveys running in the background of their organization. However, many times the increase in engagement scores is not necessarily happening. It's either stagnant or maybe going the opposite way. When it comes to surveys,
1: what do you see that doesn't work? And then what are best practices? Yeah. What I see that doesn't work is when the survey becomes a big push. It becomes like the flavor of the month. And all of a sudden now we're focusing on the survey and we want everyone to do the survey. And if you turn in your ticket, you're going to get a prize. And, and the manager's like, please, please, please take the survey. And everyone's like, oh, whatever. you know. And they take the survey. And the reason they say, oh, whatever, is because last year when this happened, the survey results came back. They had the requisite action planning meeting They all got in a room, they looked at the results, they said what they wanted to have get better, and then they never heard anything again. Or maybe they heard something in the first month or two, then something else came along, some other project, initiative, or focus. And when employees see that employee engagement is just wrapped around a survey, then they start to lose faith in anything happening as a result. When I work with my clients, I do a series of phone interviews to get to know their organizations better. And one of the questions I always ask is, where does employee engagement fit in with the strategic goals and objectives of your organization? It's always a red flag to me when somebody says, oh, we have a survey that we do. Because to me, that's not fitting in with the strategic goals of the organization. That's a tactical tool that you use. When somebody says to me, oh, we have a people pillar and it's an agenda item on every single meeting we had and all of our performance reviews are related to that and et cetera, then I'm like, ah, they've got a strategic connection. So the organizations that do well with sustaining engagement over time. They go from what I call engagement dread, where the manager's like, oh, I got to talk about this survey and you know do an action plan, to the engagement thread, where you weave engagement into everything that you're doing. Another way to think of this is engagement goes from being one more thing to the main thing. Think about the last time your boss asked you about Engagement. It's not usually the squeaky wheel. Usually we're talking about productivity, safety, quality, innovation, finances, but engagement just doesn't come up. It takes time, and people are overextended and under enthused quite often. And that's where the glitch comes in.
0: Talk a little bit about executive teams aligning with HR and just your best
1: practices there. Another hallmark of organizations that do well with engagement is that HR does not own engagement. Engagement is owned by everyone in the organization. When it does particularly well, it's because there's some kind of executive level champion, whether that's the CEO, COO, HR, nursing VP, quality anybody across the board, but there's someone who is really raising the the rally cry for this as being important. And it's even better when there's a whole group of folks. The other thing that I find is that even in organizations where HR and the senior leaders are aligned and it is part of the strategic plan, there's often a gap where leaders don't know what to do. Frontline leaders, supervisors, you know, managers, directors, they know engagement's important, but they're, they're kind of stuck. That's where the practical, tactical tools come in, in making engagement more of a day-to-day thing instead of a big, lofty, theoretical construct.
0: Talk about best practices on cadence of getting feedback from employee engagement surveys, and how often should we be asking employees to give feedback to be able to guide decision making?
1: That is a great question, and that's a question I'm always interested in asking my clients. You know, what are they doing now? And it's funny. We've definitely seen the trend. It used to be, when I first started in this, every two years, and then it became annually. And now it's more annual plus pulse. And now there are crowdsourcing um, software applications where folks are asking on a regular basis. I think that the timing depends on how responsive the organization is going to be to the feedback they get. So I worked with one client recently and their managers had quarterly responses that they got. And they said it was too soon. Like they couldn't respond fast enough. By the time they got the information, you know, and got a group together and talked about ideas, they couldn't get anything implemented before they were doing a survey again. So if it's one thing, one kind of a question on a survey or two, you know, or you have the same question asked over time, kind of a net promoter score, then those are more realistic. If there's too many questions and too many areas of focus, then everyone kind of throws their hands up and, you know, so like, whatever, I I can't manage this, so I'm just not going to do anything. So there is no right or wrong answer that I've seen evidence-based research to support. The right answer that I see is the one that you can manage. So everyone is doing employee
0: engagement surveys, but change is not necessarily happening, or it's not
1: happening very fast. Why is that? Employee engagement is part of your culture. And we know that culture change takes time and it takes going from being one more thing to the the main thing. And, when employee engagement becomes part of the vernacular in an organization, and I don't mean calling it employee engagement, whatever folks call it, I would call it professional paradise. That's my synonym. And my definition of engagement is when someone is satisfied, energized, and productive at work. So employee engagement equals professional paradise equals satisfied, energized, and productive. Everyone agrees that we want employees to be satisfied, energized, and productive. We all agree that when that happens, patients get better care, finances improve, quality increases, just everything across the board. So the reason that the change sometimes takes so long is because people either lack the tools, or because they don't make the time. And when I say they don't make the time, that gets back to that it's not the squeaky wheel. I'm going to take care of what my boss is asking me about, what reports I have to fill out, and if engagement's not part of that in some form or fashion, then I'm going to focus on what is. That's a a survival tactic for anybody in a leadership role in an organization. So the organizations that are successful drip out information over time. They are constantly doing continuous learning around tools for engagement and they're really supporting their leaders so that they can um, do the best job possible in creating a culture of engagement.
0: Let's break that down. These surveys roll up into a number of different categories of, let's call them drivers, employee engagement drivers. From your perspective, which of those drivers do you feel has the
1: heaviest impact In my book, Six Shortcuts to Employee Engagement, I talk about this philosophy called it takes three. And a lot of times when we look at engagement and survey results come back, all fingers point to what the organization needs to be doing strategically and what leaders need to be doing tactically. And those are fair things to look at. They're important. But the missing piece there is the individual at a personal level. So if you want engagement to grow and flourish and be sustained, it takes the organization strategically, and that's things like fair compensation and benefits, a safe place to work, effective communication. Then it takes leaders at a tactical level. And that's where we get into the relationship that managers have with their direct reports. Are those leaders able to remove obstacles and are they able to celebrate successes, et cetera? But the thing we don't often talk about is the individual at a personal level. And we all know from motivation theory that motivation is internally driven. It's influenced by external circumstances. A question I ask when I'm doing keynotes, I'll ask people in the room, what motivates you? So I'll say, you know, 100% internally motivated. Nobody ever stands up. 25% internal, 75% external. I get a few. When I say 50% internal, 50% external, that's when the majority of the audience rises. The reason I do that is I want everyone in the room to know that it's not just the external things that they're doing as a manager. And it's not just the internal things that we do personally, but it's the marriage of those two. So the drivers are the support that the organization and the leaders provide along with the individual's willingness to engage themselves. Talk a little bit
0: more in depth about how critical of a role the manager plays in the
1: engagement level of their direct report and maybe even some best practices. So the managers that I see that are really performing on all cylinders one of the key hallmarks is the communication that they have with their team. And we hear all about transparent communication, but, but that's what's important. It's not trying to sugarcoat things and really being honest and open and sharing what they know and what they don't know, and when they're going to find out what they need to know, and, and kind of being a presence when it comes to the communication piece. The other thing that those managers do is they have a relationship with their direct reports one of the shortcuts in the book six shortcuts is creating positive connections and I talk about three different ways that you can do that The first is kind of the team meeting that everyone's familiar with and and not everybody in healthcare has, physical presence. So nowadays, especially even more so, we've got virtual team meetings and that's a whole nother podcast, I'm sure. But the other piece is rounding. Um, And in healthcare, we're really familiar with rounding because that's what doctors have always done. And now interdisciplinary team rounding. The thing that I talk about with rounding and, and even something like an open door policy, those are unconscious connections because one party is proactive in that and one is reactive. So they're they're kind of chance connections, if you will. A chance connection, like an open door policy, someone comes into your office as the leader and they kind of emotionally dump whatever's going on. You're all of a sudden taken by surprise. You've got to respond. Well, the same thing holds true if you're rounding. So you're a leader and you go out and round. The person's in the middle of doing their job. So let's say, for example, my boss wanted to come in and round with me while I'm making this podcast i would be like, I can't really talk to you right now. Um, And the boss is like, well, no, no, I have rounding on my calendar. I'm here. You should be happy that I'm here. Well, I can't talk to you. That happens with our employees and our associates that we work with. So we got to recognize that when we're ready to round, you got to make sure the team member is ready to round too. It's really important to do it. The most important, the conscious connection that we want to make is where the manager is ready for the meeting and the team member is ready. And that's a one-on-one meeting. And I cannot tell you how many people tell me they do not have time for one-on-one meetings. And my answer to that always is you are spending time on, on employee engagement, whether you think you are or not, because you're either spending time reactively to the person that's coming into your office and complaining or the patient that's complaining or the family member or the other department or the lack of quality results that you need. You're either spending it on, time on engagement through dealing with problems and putting out fires or you're spending time on it proactively. And that 20-minute one-on-one meeting where you actually have a meaningful conversation with someone about what makes you feel satisfied, energized, and productive, and, and how connected are you to that right now? And what would you need to do differently? What would I need to do differently? What would the organization need to do differently? Those are the kind of meaningful conversations that help proactively improve engagement. And then all of a sudden you start to see oh, the problems have gone down, the drama has gone down. Like People feel heard and listened to, and that's what people want, is to feel heard and cared about. So what typical leadership mindset do you see that needs changed when it comes to employee engagement? What I find is that organizations have unproductive beliefs, either about engagement or unproductive beliefs that get in the way of engagement. They usually revolve around issues of mistrust or a feeling of lack of respect. I can't tell you how many teams think that they work the hardest or that they get the the most difficult assignments. We're the ones that get dumped on, those kinds of things. When I first started working as a nurse, I worked on a mother-baby unit, a postpartum unit. We were on the first floor of our hospital. And on the fourth floor was labor and delivery. So we didn't know those nurses at all. And about two weeks into my orientation on my unit, I said to my preceptor, how come we hate the labor and delivery nurses so much? And she said, what do you mean? Who told you that? Nobody hates the labor and delivery nurses. And I was like, oh, yes, that's all everybody does is complain about those nurses. And what it came down to was, The nurses on my floor thought that the nurses on the fourth floor were either bringing the patients together and batching them or bringing them a report or not giving us complete information. And it was almost like there was this thought that there was a scheme going on upstairs. Well, nobody ever addressed that. And that kind of unproductive belief over time grows into disengagement. It grows into frustration and it increases stress. And when I tell that story to nurses, they all laugh. I haven't been a staff nurse in 20 plus years, but the same exact thing is going on, whether it's the ER and the ICU, or the ICU and the med surge unit, or it's distribution in the warehouse, you know, it's security and the front desk. These unproductive beliefs and mindsets that organizations let thrive, that they let go on, are often the cause of disengagement at an organizational level. Then leaders feel helpless. Their mindset might be, well, what can I do about this? And then individuals, their, their negative mindset is, well, it's somebody else's job to make me happy at work. And so unless those things are addressed and talked about, now the cool thing is, we know what the unproductive beliefs are. We just have to be willing to talk about this elephant in the room or this sacred cow. What is the most
0: critical thing um, that comes to mind when, when you think of sustaining employee engagement over
1: time? I think the most important thing is it's gotta be part of the strategic initiatives of the organization. If it's not part of your strategy, then you're saying to everyone is not important. So if it's truly important, it's got to be part of the strategy. It doesn't have to be compensation related for leaders, but it definitely has to be some measure of their success, has to be related to the engagement levels of their team. The other thing is there's got to be the tools for training and teaching managers how to be effective, engaging leaders. And it can't be a flavor of the month, one and done. Oh, we had our speaker that came in and talked about that. I created the Engagement Accelerator Virtual Coaching Program because I kept having clients tell me that they would go in fits and starts, you know, and it just things were in bursts. And so I used a model called the AGES model where you look at learning over time. And so these are like little micro videos, four to six minute videos that are delivered every other week. Organizations that have used that spaced out over time learning, followed up by the executive leader talking about it other leaders talking about it, um, doing pulse surveys, It's, it's part of an integrated plan, those leaders see statistically significant change in their engagement levels. So if you want to sustain engagement over time, it's got to be part of the strategic plan. And you've got to make sure it's not a flavor of the month. You've got to make sure that you're teaching leaders to weave the engagement thread throughout everything they do. Awesome.
0: Let's take a quick break and come back to learn more about you on what we call our lightning round. We'll be right back. In our efforts to launch this healthcare sub-series on Gut Plus Science, my why is Wambi. Wambi specializes in serving the industry that needs the most support, love, and gratitude, and that's healthcare. Together with WAMBI, we will be building a community of people-first healthcare leaders and influencers to make a big positive impact on patient satisfaction and overall experience of patients and families and also engagement of the very valuable healthcare workers in this world. So visit WAMBI.org to learn more and hit me up. If you want to talk about the cool partnerships we're working on at WAMBI, Nikki and I KKI at WAMBI, dot It'll be in the show notes too. And I am so grateful to be part of this team and part of this movement. Many cool things to come. All right, we're back on Gut Plus Science in our lightning round with Vicki Hess. We're going to ask a few questions just to learn a little bit more about some of her favorite things and also to know how to follow up with her after the show. So Vicki, first question, what is your favorite book of all time
1: or one that you would recommend to our leader, listener, audience today? I think my all-time favorite book is one that my mother gave me when I was young, and it was The Prophet by Khalil Gibran, and I have learned so much from that book, and my mother, I think, embraced that in the way she lived and taught me to be the chief paradise officer, and so that's a book that I think everyone should read, The Prophet. Awesome. Awesome. What's your favorite vacation spot? My favorite vacation spot is anywhere that I am with my husband, my two sons and their wives. Oh, wonderful. How about a favorite hobby when you're not working? My favorite hobby is stand-up paddleboarding. I moved to Florida two years ago and I got an inflatable paddle board and I was immediately addicted. It's just so good for my health and well-being. It's amazing. And how can our listeners connect with you after the show today Vicky? The best way to get a hold of me is vickihess.com. and it's vicky with an i v i c k i h e s s.com. There are literally dozens of free tools, videos, ideas, insights that leaders can download every book i've written there's free tools associated with those and you can access all of that through my website i'm also on linkedin every single day that's my go-to spot i love to connect with folks there so people reach out and say they heard me on gut science and you know they want to connect i would love to be connected there too Mm
0: All right, Vicki, great episode today. Here's my truth you can act on. Employee engagement has to be part of the organization's strategy. It's not a tactical thing. Stop the flavor of the month surveys and choose a survey rooted in science that equips you with data and insights to take action. If you truly want to make an impact on employee engagement scores, weave engagement into every single thing you do as an organization. Manager engagement skills are huge. Communication training and employee engagement training is a must for managers of all levels if you're really taking your employee engagement strategy seriously. And finally, you must have the right mindset and belief for the strategy to work. Be intentional with how you equip your leaders to understand the engagement initiatives. The why behind the what in everything we do, especially engagement, is so important because we have to help them believe and embrace for this stuff to work. And that's a wrap.